Welcome to the King's Table. Welcome to the King's Table, a podcast of Christ the Lord Church in Dayton, Ohio. The King's Table exists to help people know, love, and obey Jesus as Lord over all. From the altar table to the dinner table, the conference table to the pool table, because Jesus is Lord over all. Hey guys, welcome back to King's Table. My name is Jeff. I'm a pastor at Christ the Lord Church in the great city of Dayton, Ohio. I'm joined here with my fellow pastors. Pastor Matt is here. And Pastor Russell. That's me. These are my guys today. We are happy to be back with you. We're going to be tackling today a couple questions that we've gotten uh, and also just a topic that Pastor Russ has been teasing in some of the other episodes that we've done. As we've talked a lot about patriarchy and what that looks like, what the scripture means by that, um, and what it means to be a godly patriarch. One of the things that we said in one of our previous episodes was that obviously we believe that they are good patriarchs. And there are bad patriarchs. There are evil patriarchs. And so today we're going to tackle this topic of uh, evil patriarch. What does that look like? And how do you deal with an evil patriarch? What did you say the name of this episode was, Russ? Down with Scar. Down with Scar. If you watched <laughs> that horrible pagan. If full you've of watched any voodoo. Jordan Peterson, which is the gospel today, oh my gosh. then you know his take on the Lion King, right? You have to. Yeah, this is true. Down with Scar. Down with Scar. So we're going to talk today about how to take down Scar. And if you're not familiar, that's the bad lion in The Lion King. Thanks, Matt. He's the, <laughs> he's the bad patriarch. He's the bad patriarch. And, and he's named Scar because he has a scar over his eye. Well, to, That's how you know he's Scar. Are you to, mansplaining me? I am. To, well, he's, no, that's he why I'm sitting on his stool. He was explaining the joke. That's what he was doing. <laughs> I'm sitting higher was, than all of you. He was Matt-splaining? Matt-splaining. That that's right. He was explaining the joke? Because yeah. I did it in three seconds, though. It's 10 minutes. An interesting aspect, if I may Jordan Peterson this, which he doesn't do is, uh, well, if, if you're going to... The Lion King helps us see that patriarchy is inevitable, mm-hmm. which is uh, one of the premises of what we've been tackling in why I've had to set this aspect up four times because we keep holding it as as valuable, as important, and all those things, but mm-hmm. it is inevitable. Yeah. But that's where we say, okay, but we're not saying all patriarchy is good. Yeah. It, we do have this distinction. Yeah. Yeah. It is inevitable. It's going to happen regardless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it just made me think of, was that Thanos? I am inevitable or whatever. That's Thanos, yeah. yeah. Also an evil patriarch. He was. He was an evil patriarch. He turned to dust. <laughs> so as we talk about this, we're going to break this up into a couple different um, sections where you would be most likely to encounter uh, an evil patriarch. Um, and first we're going to talk about uh, husbands. Um, and this is the thing that, Russ, you have been talking about in some previous um, podcast episodes. And sermons. Uh, and, and in particular, a couple sermons we preached um, in, a, in a cold pizza episode where I talked about um, Sarah's relationship to Abraham. He, at times, he, I, I wouldn't call Abraham an evil patriarch, but he sure behaved like a goober patriarch at times, <laughs> right? Like an, an untrustworthy patriarch. I was going to say, when you were setting this up at the beginning, you said at first, good and bad patriarchy. And then you went to say, I was going to say, no, it should be good and evil. Yeah. But I think you're right. There is just foolishness. Yeah. That's not uh, 
intrinsic. Well, I guess it intrinsically it's evil because it causes that. Yes, but it's not uh, motivationally. And that's one of the things that we're going to tackle when we talk about how does a wife deal with an evil patriarch? Is it actually evil or is it just foolishness? How do I know the difference? Uh, but before we go through that, we're going to talk about husbands, fathers, uh, pastors, bosses, and political leaders. Um, and we'll, we'll get as far as we can today. Um, but before we get into these, I think it's important for us to, to lay a little groundwork first. Um, anytime you talk about um, you know, the word patriarchy, it's a buzzword in our culture right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Barbie movie came out recently, and that was a huge theme of down with the patriarchy. Um, and the huge, Duggars, yeah, the Duggars, uh, shiny happy people. Um, I'm gonna make a T-shirt that says "shiny faithful people" on it um, because uh, you see people saying, "Well, this is definitely the problem." Right and now, uh, to back to your point, Russ. Patriarchy is inevitable, and yes, we're going to say there's some some bad ones out there, and so we need to figure out what that looks like. But before we get to that, we have to, I think, do a little bit of explaining what actual abuse looks like versus fake abuse. Our culture today is absolutely obsessed with trauma, with abuse, with victimization, mm-hmm. and and our culture right now is is um, entirely dependent upon um, mood-altering substances to help deal with their quote-unquote trauma uh, and abuse with therapists. Like, I was sitting in a coffee shop not too long ago on two different occasions, same coffee shop in the same week, and I, I was listening to two, <laughs> two separate times these young ladies talk to these very effeminate-looking young men that were with them who were just kind of staring at them, and these young ladies were talking very loudly about going and seeing their therapist. And I was, I was baffled at how young they were. I was mm-hmm. like, man, you are very young to be uh, going to a therapist for the things that you're telling the whole coffee shop in a loud voice that you have problems with. I'm like, man, right? That, that sure seems like you've experienced a lot of horrible things at such a young age. Can, can we say needy? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but, but so th- therein is like, well, there's a lot of things that rise up in the human heart that our culture has groomed people to think you have to have therapy for that. Yeah. Right, well, right now, vic- victimization, um, there's that line in um, Shinedown song. It says, if victimhood is currency, then you won't starve. Yeah. Like, uh, I think it's America Burning is the song. And and that's that line is, is so true. Right now, victimization or victimhood pays mm-hmm. uh, and it pays a lot and, and you say well how does it pay well when you think about the word empathy where I have to get into the pit with you then uh, into your situation but I'm not really allowed to speak to your situation um, I just have to basically become uh, chained to your situation mm-hmm. Then the person who can level the most layers of victimization uh, enslaves those people into their chains. So right now you can control the room with the most layers of of victimhood. Mm -hmm. And you see pastors falling prey to this Mm -hmm. where where they uh, make stupid decisions because they've got supposed victims. Mm-hmm. And what's happening is, is where this is particularly dangerous in the church is that um, by God's grace, we are to care 
for victims mm-hmm. and um and to to share with them the hope of the gospel and the power of the cross and so on and so forth so we have a proclivity a good proclivity to be sensitive towards victims yeah um the hurting and such uh, and so that ideology, though, preys upon. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's so important that as we work through each of these items that we think about, well, well what actually constitutes being a victim in right. this situation? Because exactly. maybe you're not. Maybe you're a victim of your own sin, mm-hmm. and you're ascribing that to the patriarch. Yeah. Um, and so you, we've got to be careful yeah. in that realm. Yeah, you definitely, so you'll see this argument pop up when it comes to the feminist argument, right? Well, women were being oppressed mm-hmm. and abused. Now, I think that's a, when you hear people that make those uh, general statements, it's a very, very uninformed, um, unlearned uh, understanding of the feminist movement, right? Um, but even so, if you read a book like uh, Even Exile, Rebecca Merkel's book, where she talks about, yes, there were some issues there, but this is not the way to go about it. Mm-hmm. Right. So in the same way, as we walk through these things, you're going to see, yes, there's, these things are there. These things perhaps need to be dealt with. But here's the proper way to deal with those. But you see in culture this kind of this. Uh, if you look at the history, if you read a book like um, Carl Truman, Bryn just got done reading Carl Truman's book, Strange New World. Um, you see this progression of thought, the individualistic self exalted and, and kind of risen up. So now you've you look around and see the craziness with the letter mafia and you think, how could we get to this point? Well, it's this slow burn mm-hmm. of, of self-exaltation and individualism. So you see that like in, in the feminist movement. You see that with uh, online and school bullying. Uh, are there bullies? Should they be dealt with? Sure. How do we do that? You see that the LBGTQ movement rode the back of the civil rights movement and the bullying, uh, the mm-hmm. campaign against bullying into the schools. Yep. And now if you identify as whatever it is, and somebody um, you know speaks out against that. That's bullying, and now it's got to the point. If you don't affirm me and celebrate me, you're you're uh, oppressing me. Or in Canada, it's criminal. Exactly. Yeah, and so you see that you see that um, that rise. You see this in things like the Me Too movement, uh, where there where there evil patriarchs who need to be dealt with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, but what's interesting about that is you see men who were wrong confessed. And seem to as much as a uh, as much as a non-believer could uh, repent uh, to want to fix their ways, but it was no good. You're done. There's no redemption here whatsoever. You're canceled. You're done. And so, if you had X amount of women speaking up, and sometimes like just an astronomical amount of women, like come on, like did he really abuse this many women? <laughs> you know, and it seems a little suspect here. You know, he's yeah, got a lot of money, sus. right? Uh, but it didn't matter. It didn't matter if he did it or not. Nobody wanted to hear it. You were done, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. no redemption. Uh, and you see that. You, you've well, seen you're, that. You're, you're guilty by um, by popular vote. Right, exactly. You're I mean, I've seen that. Uh, we've seen that in our own lives. Yeah. Like, But there's so many people that say this. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, and there's so many people that could be wrong. Right, exactly. I mean, majority of the country voted for Biden. Uh, does that make that a good choice? <laughs> Right. I mean, if that's the logic. I mean, my Bible tells me that the nations rage against the Lord. That's a lot of nations. Then maybe Jesus is wrong. Mm. Yeah. You see this in some part, too, with the, uh, you know, you see, like, celebrity pastors that were caught in something or you know, something went down, and you see kind of a public 
uh, discipline case, like open letters and it, and not a lot of that being dealt with with the local church context, right? Then they're not walked through actual discipline with their No, Julie Royce church. gets involved. Yeah, exactly. Say, and now it's be up handled, to the public. It should be handled publicly as far as the church is concerned. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and yeah. I understand that there's a place for people in high visible positions to give an account. Mm-hmm. But again, my point in that is saying that it doesn't matter. You have the matter. public superseding the you church. You have the public, and if the public says that you're guilty, you're guilty. Yeah. So you see that, and you see CRT, LBGTQ, whatever else they've added to that. IA. Uh, right, IA. Uh, 2S, Two Spirits, I think that's what it is. What? Yeah. I heard that one. I've, I've given I up. think it's now LBGTQIA, 2S, Two Spirits. Plus. Plus. Like they have two spirits? Well, I'm going to say, I mean, like. What? Uh, yes, we've Google at least, they've, at least hang on a second. At least they have admitted that this is totally demonic. <laughs> <laughs> two spirits okay hang on right hang on. i don't know what it means apparently it means whatever you want it to mean uh, they don't either right well i'll get canceled for saying i don't know what it means apparently i'm oppressive <laughs> if i don't know what it means it is it is it is two spirits uh lesbian gay bisexual transgender and or gender expansive queer and or questioning intersex asexual and two spirit mm. there you go i don't know what two spirit exactly means but there you go you see these cultural trends in, in in the world, and you see how dangerous they are there. Uh, but then you see how they trickle into the church. Mm-hmm. Of course, what happens here is the church seeking to win the world tries to be like the world. So you bring in outside sources to help with your church discipline cases, your trauma cases, or whatever, and you're got a huge mess. So you see things like the Houston Chronicle article on the abuse in the SBC. Um, you know those churches who were guilty of those things should be punished to the full extent of the law, but. Were they blowing it out of proportion a little bit? Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, the rise and fall of Mars Hill, right? Those kind of things that's been thrown around uh, at so many pastors. Uh, the book Bully Pulpit, mm-hmm. you know, um, these yeah. kinds of things, which is quite interesting because what you see in guys like um, Cosper, who did um, the rise and fall of Mars Hill, or I don't know who wrote Bully Pulpit, but they're 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 uh, opportunist. Mm-hmm. They're using and taking advantage. A bully pulpit was a series of blogs at first that mm-hmm. got a ton of traction. Exactly. So he's like, hey, why not write a book? But, I'm seeing a trend here. But we're not going to go look into who was sharing that on mm-hmm. Facebook the most. Right. Um, right. Probably, actually, it's the target of who we're trying to talk to today. Right. <laughs> and this shows us, I mean, the history here shows us how, how sly Satan is for us to think that guys like that are the good patriarchs. And, you know, the guys that are mm-hmm. that are too uh, harsh or too plain spoken, that they're the evil ones, right? Mm-hmm. When in fact, it's, it's just the opposite. And so you see that happening in, in the culture. Um, Russ, we, we were talking about this a little bit. You know, when it comes to our culture as well, everybody feels like they have to um, see a therapist to deal with trauma. Everybody says they have trauma, mm-hmm. right? Now, in generational right, trauma. Right, and, and if you study... Oh man, the recent one I heard the other day was um, uh, childbirth trauma. Yeah, yeah. It oh, was, from when you were born yourself? No, no. For for you as a <laughs> I'm mom, I'm going to claim that. For you as a mom, when you gave birth, that you got trauma now, and libraries need to have books with resources for mm. that trauma. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm familiar with the other one that you have trauma that you don't realize because of your actual journey. Out. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. 
Interesting. That's a thing. I didn't know that. That's insane. So 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 regardless, <laughs> there's again everybody can have quote unquote trauma from something, but you know if you study PTSD and if you understand, uh, the I mean, human if you actually mind, talk to people who experience trauma, right? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Well, no, exactly. This one gets me going. Like, this really, really bothers me a, a lot. Um, it's something that I was really trying to give a fair shake to. Mm-hmm. Um, like six, seven years ago, hearing this PTSD stuff come out more, I'm doing more counseling at the time. Sure. And really trying to give a fair shake to this. So I'm looking into it more and more. And, and what I end up finding is that PTSD is real. We're not saying that it's not. Yeah. So don't hear that. That's not what we're saying. What we are saying is that the majority of people who say they have PTSD right. are liars. Yeah. What? Not just not just wrong, but lying, and, and yeah. because it's being used and manipulated to gain power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> like everything that you're supposed to be against, you say is is what you're actually trying to achieve, and you end up using other people and manipulating them, traumatizing them in the process yeah. for power. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, I really there's a big sec, not a big section, just a short chapter. It's like five paragraphs. I want to read from a book that I'll say for another time on what trauma actually is. Yeah. It's abnormal trauma. This is abnormal things that happen to people that should not in the course of their life ever happen to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it happens to a lot of people because there's a lot of people on the planet. But in ratio, it's incredibly abnormal outside of your normal human experience. Uh, there's a book that has been super helpful and really categorizing what actually falls into that for me mm-hmm. it's called a thousand naked strangers it's about a emt's uh career really experience as a emt in uh atlanta which is not a friendly place yeah uh, as so i'm told um a lot of stuff went goes on there and just his experience and and how he encounters these horrible things but his brain makes it feel normal mm-hmm. because that's how he gets got to get through it gotta get through it yeah but this dude actually has some ptsd sure uh, you uh, this is your note in here but i i affirm it and i'll say it your body the way that god has created you is absolutely capable of handling yeah. the majority of traumatic experiences that happen in your life right uh, that are not abnormal so childbirth that's common unto women mm-hmm. uh, since eve mm-hmm. there's a part of it that's locked up in the curse it's going to be painful right mm-hmm. But your body is still, even inside of the curse, capable of dealing with that. That's why women have multiple kids. Because mm-hmm. if it was <laughs> just the one, it would stop. Right. We'll do this again. Yeah. Yeah. And we're not saying that somebody Because couldn't... that's what happens with, like, robberies and stuff. I'm trying not to get robbed again. Right. Ever. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And somebody might have an abnormal birthing experience. Sure. And it'd be a horrible situation. But, again, what you're seeing is people searching for power. For power. Yeah. And, and, so, and leveraging that over right. other people. So everybody that has, you know, uh, birthed a child now has the opportunity to claim trauma. You want to know what I find in people who actually have trauma? They don't leverage it over other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's that simple. It's good. It's really that simple. And so God has designed you to be able to work through that. And another component of that is not to equate all stress with trauma. Yes. You can be stressed and it not be traumatic. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Now, I think all trauma is stressful, but not all stress is trauma. Yeah. Now, so that's just in your brain being able to process it, let alone the tools that God has given you, like exercise and sleep mm-hmm. and time 
And then you get into relationships, your husband or wife, your church community, your pastors, right. your Bible, Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there's so many ways out of whatever darkness that Scar has put over your life, wherever the darkness touches, it's not our kingdom. Yeah. Like, you have the spirit. <laughs> that should matter to you. Yeah. That should be able to move any trauma to the to the edges of your life. Yeah. And that's if it's trauma in the first place. Yeah. You saw this happen with the Shiny Happy People documentary, which nobody seemed to ask the question, who was putting this out? And the perfect timing of when they were putting it out at the beginning of Pride Month. And um, Wouldn't you have to ask agenda, about motives if you did that? You would have to ask about motives. That doesn't trend well. Right. And what you can look at, what you can say about that situation, and I don't have time to go fully into it, is that uh, those who are wrong should be persecuted, should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law, mm-hmm. and those who are actually victims should be helped and cared for. But what you found was, um, I told my mother, I said, "There's all these former IBLP kids who just all of a sudden realized that they had trauma and needed attention, <laughs> right?" Mm-hmm. Um, and I can speak very authoritatively on this because I was an IBLP, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, there was a lot of issues there, not in the beginning, but as it progressed, there was a lot of issues there, mainly because it got away from the local church and the authority of the scriptures. But my parents loved the Lord and and walked in faithfulness and walked us away from that when uh, time uh, was right to get away from that. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel traumatized. <laughs> you know, there's plenty of hard things that I experienced. Jeff, Jeff you just don't realize that okay. you've been traumatized. Guys, can you help me? Anyway, yes. Every time I see a blue yeah. suit, anytime I see a, a navy suit and a white shirt, I get <laughs> triggered. You hear kids say that though, like all the time. Oh, I'm triggered. I'm triggered over the dumbest stuff. You mm-hmm. know, I'm triggered. Oh, I'm triggered, triggered by you being triggered. Right, exactly. So we could say this as we, as we. Um, and I'll, I'll, let me say one quick thing. Uh, I'll ask Matt uh, your advice on this um, or your thoughts on this. Um, the difference um, in biblical counseling and therapy. Should people go to therapy? Man, no. All right. Why? Well, I, I mean, a couple of things. I would make a, a few distinctions here. Um, therapy, uh, at least in my understanding, is, um, <laughs> and some people are going to hate me for this, kind of like a chiropractor. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with you on that. <laughs> <laughs> just, let me snap your neck. Let me snap your neck, and I'll see you in two weeks. Yeah. Uh, and don't forget to pay on your way out. Right. Because um, <laughs> I just broke something in there, so you have to come back. <laughs> I, did, I did. I fixed it just enough for you to feel good. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I hear, you know, I go to my chiropractor. And then, you know, three weeks later, I'm going to my chiropractor. Right. I'm like, you know, when I go to someone to get fixed, I want it to be for good. Yeah, fix me. <laughs> you know? right. Anyways, I'm not putting down those who go to chiropractors. But but the, the, the therapy. I have, a, I have another correlation for you. <laughs> The vast majority of people that go to chiropractors don't do squats, hey. which will fix your back. Ah. You don't need so therapy. You need a barbell and a Bible. You do. <laughs> so therapy is uh, is largely about um, just having someone to talk to. Yeah. And there's never really – it's just it's a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's generally where most therapists are. That, uh, so I, I would just throw that in the trash. Yeah. Then you've got like the um, – you know, counseling versus biblical counseling. And I, I'm still not a fan and, and not going to encourage anyone to go to the counselor psychologist mm-hmm. thing, um, in general. Um, because I don't, I don't think they have the ultimate answers yeah. to what is, um, the, the core issues in life. Um, 
but I would just still draw a distinction because they're not trying to keep you, um, you know, in chains and mm. keep you coming back. Generally, right. you know, a lot of them want to are genuinely trying to help. Yeah, they just don't necessarily know how to help uh, from a biblical perspective. Yeah. So, and then there's discipleship or biblical counseling. Yeah. And when we think of biblical counseling, we think of a couple things, or I think of a couple things here. I think of the sufficiency of the Word. I believe the Word is everything you need for a life of holiness yeah. and, and godliness and following the Lord faithfully, which involves all of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only time I would distinguish between biblical counseling and discipleship is when uh, that biblical counseling is really just more intensified discipleship from someone who is probably a little more skilled in connecting the word to that particular situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So like I'm, I'm doing uh, marriage counseling right now Mm -hmm. and I just happen to have in this, in this relative to these people, a unique ability to take the word and apply it to their particular marriage struggles. So that's biblical counseling. All I'm doing is discipleship. It's just maybe more skillful discipleship. Yeah. So that's good. That's helpful. So we could say that we have to be mindful in a society that views being a victim as in vogue, that Christians have to use biblical truth and uh, to determine what it actually is of use and what is not. And people who peddle victimhood should be called repentance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, Absolutely. and those who are actually victims should be cared for, but those who peddle Victimhood need to be called repentance because it's sinful. Yeah. yeah. That's helpful. Those who peddle it as the victims. Yes. And those who peddle it as leaders mm-hmm. uh, that are um, pandering to or using victims uh, in an ungodly way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is important because is when we think about evil patriarch, I, right now, I mean, if this was like maybe 70 years ago, it might be a different story. But right now, the the pendulum swing is... Anyone in authority is an evil right. person. Uh, that authority by nature is abusive. Right, hegemonic power. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so if I were to get up every Sunday and be like, here, eat out of my open hands, you victims. I care for you, and I I want you to, I want you to be free as long as you keep coming to me. That's fine. But if I get up there and say, you're not a victim, you have freedom in the spirit and power to do something about it in the gospel, um, I'm the oppressor, right. yep. even though I'm setting you up for actual freedom, and the other ones are enslaving you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So then, when when a, a supposed victim goes to another church, and maybe I'm getting ahead of us here, well, I'll I'll just save it for later. Okay, there you sounds go. good. Now that's that's super helpful. Um, I think, and and we could do a whole series of podcasts on this, and maybe we will come back to some of these things, and maybe we can get to some of that uh, part of that book you were recommending, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk a little bit more through that but let's get into some of the meat here as we've kind of has had that as a foundation when it comes to uh, an evil um, husband right an evil Mm -hmm. patriarch in the home in particular how a wife is supposed to interact with that evil patriarch um, because scripture calls in first peter three wives to um, be subject or submit to their own husbands Mm -hmm. right and and the example i've talked about abraham and sarah earlier and the example given for godly women to follow and pattern after is Sarah, mm-hmm. who calls Abraham Lord. Now, again, as I said, I, I don't know if it was necessary. I mean, well, it's pretty evil to to pimp out your wife, right? Basically, that's what he's doing for, to One save his own skin. That. 
right? Like he's yeah. he's giving his wife to save his own skin, mm-hmm. right? That's what he's doing. Like he's he's abdicating the role to protect his you know his family. Like he should have been willing to die for them, mm-hmm. right? Which is funny because he has a pagan look at him and say, "What are you doing?" Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, but so, well, but I think there's a, there's a distinction there between an an evil patriarch thinking like evil through and through, mm-hmm. and someone like Abraham who is a man of faith, right. great faith, and you know, Hebrews 11, yeah. who has moments yes. where he is exercising evil. So I wouldn't call him an evil patriarch, no. um, even in that moment, mm-hmm. but I would consider what he's doing as evil. Yes, that's a good And he's using his, his patriarchal role mm-hmm. for evil in yeah. that moment. But to cate- categorically call him... Yeah. Even in that moment, in an evil patriot, I, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, that's good. What if you felt like he was evil? Um, would you categorically say that he's evil? Then I would say you're a categorical moron. <laughs> <laughs> this is important, and we might get to this when we come to the um, part about a pastor. But you have to look at the whole arc of somebody's life, or like a pastor, you yeah. have to look at the arc yeah, of his absolutely. ministry. Right, his pulpit ministry is is a small slice. His counseling ministry is a small slice. So. Yes. You got to look at the the uh, the whole of that. That's a good distinction. Um, so when it comes to, in particular, though, how a wife is supposed to deal with um, an evil patriarch and or determine if he's evil through and through, or if he's just having like Abraham some some moments where what he did was wrong and evil. Yeah. All right. And so how is she supposed to interact with that? So. Um, Matt, if you wouldn't mind kind of leading off with some of this, I'll, I'll ask you a couple questions that we've actually received. So, uh, how does a wife tell whether or not she should be resistant to her husband? Like when, when is she supposed to do that? Like to practice that submissive resistance. And so maybe answer that question and also give it the definition of what is submissive resistance? Yeah. Um, well, I'll read um, from First Peter three says uh, verse one. Likewise, wives be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives, mm-hmm. when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Um, so uh, apparently, I have um, some experience here. If you go read uh, one of my reviewers on uh, on the Withy Window podcast, <laughs> uh, apparently I'm particularly good at compelling women to leave their husbands and follow me. Yeah. Um, I'm thankful for one of the other reviewers who, who says that I compel people to follow Jesus. Um, do you know, so you're not David Koresh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, apparently I have multiple. I am the Lord. <laughs> Sarah called him Lord. <laughs> right. You know, What's funny is in, you know, at least two uh, of the examples I think that that reviewer is probably referring to, um, like, they have legitimate evil patriarchies. Mm. Like, those husbands are legitimately, categorically evil patriarchs. The arc of their leadership. Mm. And having counseled in those situations over multiple years... They have legitimate evil patriarchs. Yeah. So, uh, which I would answer that that question here, just so it doesn't leave my mind, of, well, how do you, like, is it just a bad day, a right. bad season? Well, I mean, the way, or, or is it a, a legitimate categorical evil patriarch? Well, the evil patriarch didn't, likely didn't start 
with just being categorically an evil patriarch, mm. uh, at least from our perception. I mean, he probably was the whole time, but from our perception, because we don't know the heart, all sure. we can do is judge fruit. But then what happens is one season of fruit stacks upon another season of fruit stacks mm-hmm. upon another season of fruit. So one action of, of pimping out your wife turns into another season of pimping out your wife. Yeah. It turns out, okay, well, now Abraham's an evil patriarch. Right. We, we've seen that now. So you, you have men who then as husbands um, are legitimately evil towards their wives and using their patriarchal role for selfishness, mm-hmm. for their own glory, for their own pride, for their own protection, uh, and wanting everyone else to lay down their lives to, to serve themselves, like mm-hmm. to serve himself, um, you have a legitimate evil patriarch there. Yeah. Um, so uh, listen, I'll gladly bear that review in the name of protecting legitimately yeah. um, abused wives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll take a legitimate victims yeah. um, any day mm-hmm. and till I die. And then God can set the record straight. Yeah. So the, uh, um, the question of how does a wife tell whether or not she should be resistant to her husband? You know, I, I, I think the, the, the two, two things that I would say there, one is, uh, is he clearly in opposition, acting in opposition to the clear word of God? And so this is not like, well, he wants to do this paint color and I want to do that paint color. Or he thinks we should, you know, spend our money on a, a nicer car instead of buying a nicer house. Um, like, I'm not talking about those kind of <laughs> those questions john moody had pictures of his uh mats in his living room that they were doing jujitsu and wrestling on and stuff and one guy commented and said how'd you convince your wife to let you get mats in the living room and he goes i just bought them <laughs> <laughs> i put them in there <laughs> that's good <laughs> and now she uses them more than i do <laughs> yeah that's great he should what he should have said was do you ask your wife when to go to the restroom right like for permission? He should have said, I bought these and told her if she can take me down, she can get rid of them. <laughs> <Yeah. that." laughs> I bought these for after the kids go to bed. <laughs> or that. There we are. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Anyway, shout out to John Moody. There you go. Uh, back to evil patriarchies. Uh, how does it So is it a clear? So, you know, he wants to skip church on the regular to go do this. I mean, he's mm. clearly disobeying the word of God. Yeah. Right. He's, he's not gathering together with the saints like that. That would be a clear example. Um, the second thing, um, I think just in general, even in those situations where it's clear is having the, the support of your elders. Yeah. So, um, you know, the elders represent Christ's authority in your husband's life. So, if you're going to resist his authority, then you need the authority of your husband. Then you need to have the authority of your husband's authority mm-hmm. uh, on your side. Yeah. And it's not it's not like just they're siding with you. But that the 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 emphasis here that I want to put on is that that they agree with you concerning 
the word of God and its application to your particular circumstance. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that they, uh, that the word of God and your elders see that the husband is out of bounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Lord willing, your elders are going to carefully um, define that. Now, what do we mean by like submissive resistance? I, it would, I, I don't particularly love that phrase, but, but like the, the idea there is I'm actually when I so if you, if if a wife thinks about her husband is is her authority but then the authority above her husband is her elders and then above her elders is the word of God who which is Christ who yeah. in the beginning was the word and the word was God. <clears throat> so when when she submits to her husband rightfully, who is rightfully exercising his authority, she is uh, submitting up the line, mm-hmm. right? She's submitting up the chain, if you will, to her elders, to the word of God, uh, and so on. Well, if her submission is to always be in that direction, no matter what, if her husband decides to step to the side of that chain, she's still to submit up the chain. Mm-hmm. So when she submits to the authority of her husband, she's still submitting rightly to her husband. Yeah. Um, even though he's, because he is the one who has stepped to the side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she's still submitting while resisting his sinful authority. So the same thing when we kind of talked about government uh, um, resistance. Like the government is submissive to God, yeah. to God, so I'm still submitting while resisting the evil tyranny of the government when they step out of bounds. Mm-hmm. That's good. So that's helpful, Russ. So you do jujitsu. So I let's do. say you get um, some jujitsu mats and put in your living room, mm-hmm. right? Um, and you uh, just buy them. I have them already. Yeah, so you got them, and you're ready to put them in your living room. You're just going to sleep on them. I got right. them for Christmas. Awesome. Nice. There you go. Or my um, so you put those in the in the living room. Um, you don't need to ask Jess. You just get them, right? Yes. And she can trust you in that. Um, she should be able to trust your leadership and the finances. And, you know, well, jiu-jitsu mats are expensive. And even if she's struggling with that, this is all hypothetical, by the way, um, that she's going to trust her husband. What if you go out and... This case is hypothetical or her trust in me? Well, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Starting to get warm in here, boys. But let's say that um, let's say that you go out and you buy more mats mm-hmm. or, you know, I can put this on myself. I go out and I buy more knives <laughs> or more guns, right? Yeah. Like, okay, we need a, you need a, a weapon to protect the home. Mm-hmm. Well, I, need a, I need a gun to hunt with and... But then I'm buying more and more and more. Is a wife still supposed to continue just to trust in that area when she's also supposed to be Lady Wisdom in her patriarch's ear? And is there an, is there a time when she's supposed to step in in that situation? Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, we might have to edit this whole part out, but here's my take. <laughs> Uh, I think one thing on this one, and I know the parenting one is coming up as well, when a child should resist their parent, um, is uh, to what Matt said in our cold pizza this past week, is like choose your battles aspect. Mm, okay. Like uh, not every decision that your family makes is Megiddo, yeah. you know. Um, that's from Revelation. Uh, 
Yeah, it's it's from Israel. But yeah. Well, there's that. <clears throat> but uh, more pertinently, um, there, that's th- that's Russ's. Whatever, I'm right. <laughs> it was. It was. Yeah, Matt was on sabbatical when we were in Revelation, so he doesn't know the book. What? Um, I taught half of Revelation. I mean, I taught half, most of that. That's right. Anyways, I was gone for Exodus. Oh, okay. That's what it was. Yeah. So you don't know the Old Testament. Um, <laughs> the the but danger is that we make like. We're talking about a serious issue right now here on how to resist evil patriarchs. Right. But it's as if all the practicals boil down to silly stuff. Mm. And so the the whole choose your battle thing is a really big deal here. But life is made up of all of these regular practical things. And so to your point, like uh, the, the, the weapon thing came up in, in our household. So I, I got a, a sidearm a year ago. I would like some more firearms yeah and in my head and from my perspective i'm not gonna say head because of a headship in my brain and in my perspective um it it makes absolute logical sense outside of desire want and everything it makes absolute sense in my head to then get nunchucks yeah (laughs) i don't want those i don't like mikey i want a bow staff um like uh like napoleon dynamite um it makes sense to get an AR-15. It makes sense to get a twenty-two rifle. It makes sense to get a shotgun mm-hmm. because they all serve different purposes. Yeah. Um, I'm a decent shot with my 9mm, but if people are coming in two acres away from me, yeah. I, I probably want an AR-15. Right. You know? And you got to get the head off the zombie. That's an, so, Sword. so 22 ammo is super cheap. This is true. So I would love to have that for zombies and for regular target practice, right? Yeah. And so it's a financial like savings thing. By the way, when we say zombies, a just disclaimer, like sometimes folks call heroin addicts walking around the city zombies. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking to, I'm joking about <laughs> like yeah. Real zombies. Like Thanks for man's real, yeah. real thanks for real zombies. that in there too. They're all on Rusty's property coming out of the well that's in his house. Or my lake, uh-huh. my pond. Yeah. So, like, that is, there's a lot of rationality wrapped up in that. Also, I want them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sure. that's where Lady Wisdom's super valuable because my wife can look at the rest of my life. So, sorry, in that situation, she's going to say, you already got a weapon to protect our family with. Categorically, she's thinking that. And sure. in a sense, she's right. Yeah. Right? Uh, for me, though, it's application. And, uh, yeah, in jiu-jitsu, I reckon I play more than one position in jiu-jitsu because right. – yeah, I've got the one, but I need the others. So it's that give and take aspect in there. Now, what aspect of those things is moral? That's that's a hard that's a hard line for both of you to right. to try to go after, right? So the lady wisdom thing is helpful because then she can look back in my life and say, okay, last year though it was pipes. Yeah. The year before that, it was you know woodworking tools and this particular version that I do. And the year before that, it was coffee. Mm-hmm. And you needed this and needed that. And so she can point out potential patterns in my life where, no, one will do, you yeah. know, yeah. or or not. But it's a wisdom question. Yeah, That's not what – the danger is you take those things and make them moral on either side of the argument. Yeah. And if you do that, then you 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 put both of you in a really sticky situation when it comes to headship, and then submission and resistance, mm. because it's not immoral even for me to to stretch our family financially potentially to get another weapon. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a point where I it will become a moral issue if I'm 
bringing my family down. Yeah. But like, man, that's a that's a really wide berth that we have, and so we have to be really careful as pastors and as husbands, uh, and as uh, as we encourage women to to follow their husbands, that we actually zero in on what does the Bible say about this. Yeah. Because if we're gonna go to kids and, and in relation to their their fathers. It's very explicit what, what field we're talking about in here. I'm just going to jump to it for you. Sure. Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. It's quoting, this is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you, that you may live long in the land. So, children, should you obey your parents? Yes. Mm-hmm. In everything? No, in the Lord. That That lets you know what playing field you're in. Mm-hmm. So if your parents are trying to feed you, you know, I don't know, Fruity Pebbles versus Lucky Charms. That's not a moral decision between the two. It, it might be over sugary cereal, but it's not It's not a moral decision in between those Cinnamon two. Cinnamon Toast Crunch every time. There you go. Farm Fresh Eggs. <laughs> so, so, yeah, there Chemistry you go. Crunchy. You could potentially jump into that realm. <laughs> but honestly, and if, and if I'm particularly me prone to over-amplify uh, my life experience into any pastoral realm it's that of parenthood because i had i had really good parents like mm-hmm. i have critiques but man i had good parents and the reality is in this question when is it appropriate for a child to resist their parents specifically a father the reality in our world is that that's a non-question because dad's not there yeah that's a good point and it, i just don't relate to that mm-hmm. i don't get it um the effects so, of fatherlessness are yes rampant yes was it wilson that said like uh, all that you see in America right now is because America needs a dad. Yeah. That's it. Mm-hmm. It is. YouTube and everything. They're, they're making it. And that's why you see, we were talking earlier, that's why you see the rise of men like Peterson, mm-hmm. Tate, you know, uh, who I would say is an evil patriarch, um, or guys like Peterson who got it wrong, you mm-hmm. know, at the end of the day, he still got it wrong, or guys like Rogan, because they they want something, you know, and so they're going for it. Yeah. So- for me, in in this case, it's it's gonna be man. Yeah, she is Lady Wisdom. She can see patterns. She should call you all on that. Is it a moral question? Mm-hmm. It's got to be number one though, because you don't have a leg to stand on if it's not on either side, right? As the leader or as the wife. Yeah. When you're talking about kids and parents, man, it's in the Lord because He goes on to admonish the fathers appropriately. In the very next verse, do not provoke your children to anger. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Mm. And I'm. The majority of things that you encounter during the day that a father would compel a child to obey are not sinful. Mm-hmm. It's going to fall back to what Matt said earlier, and I, I, I figured he would do this for, for wives. Who are you submitted under in the chain of authority? Because <laughs> yeah, you're going to follow Christ in all of these things. If it's a moral, biblical issue, you follow Christ. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so practically, you know, that kid... Um, you need to talk to your dad's elders. Talk to your dad's elders. If yeah. if your dad is com- having you play sports on Sunday, you can submissively resist him by suiting up and then riding the pine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's good. There you go. Ta-da. Mm-hmm. It, it, otherwise, you should probably follow your father. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, It'll comes with a promise. It'll go well with you. Ch- children can't see very far, right? Mm-hmm. This is a uniquely child aspect. It's one of the things that's supposed to be a marker of jumping into maturity of adulthood, as you can see beyond t- today, yeah. which is absent. But that notwithstanding, you should follow your father. But there's some clear, easy ones. Is it against the word of God? It is? Okay. Then you should resist. Yeah, that's good. That's good. 
because this whole patriarchy is inevitable aspect is not just it doesn't end there it's inevitable because god is inevitable Mm -hmm. to quote thanos (laughs) god is inevitable right and so that patriarchy is inevitable at the end of time all knees will bow yeah every tongue will confess that's inevitable and so your submissiveness now as a follower as a father, as a head, whatever, is under the uh, the inevitable one. Yeah, that's helpful. That's good. You know, I think a place where it gets even more sticky is if you think about, if, if we break from thinking about res, uh, like resistance to an evil father, mm-hmm. and you separate, and you, th- instead of thinking, like right now, I think what we're, how we're thinking about it is just, uh, Submitting to him or not submitting to him in a particular situation. Yeah. But let's step out and say, all right, this father has chosen to pursue sin as his lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Right, so I'm thinking like a, of, a, of a father and a husband who has chosen, um, who uh, was a, claimed to be a Christian, now has chosen, chosen the life of unrepentance mm-hmm. um, and a lack of faith, uh, whether or not they would claim to be a Christian anymore or not, but, but that's where it gets sticky. Cause now uh, it gets more sticky because now you've got a child who has a father who's the totality of their life mm-hmm. is categorically an evil patriarch. Yeah. And now he might ask you to do something that in and of itself is not evil, but his motives are evil because now he's not walking in the spirit. Sure. And I'm not saying that that justifies you not obeying him. But at that point, it, I at least want to recognize that, that that's a tough situation. It's tough, yeah. but to me, it sounds similar to you working for a, an evil patriarch in your job. So if, if dad comes in and says, do your homework, it's because he wants you to look real good and go to an Ivy League and get free college and make him look awesome. Mm. Um God means it for you to learn about his world. And so you should do your homework Hmm. in the same way that boss comes in and says, Hey, did you run that report yet? Johnson? Um, he wants to look good. He wants to get a promotion. He's going to use me and the work that I do to get that, to get that. Mm -hmm. God means for me to have dominion and care for my family. So I should, I should do the report. Mm -hmm. So I, that's where I'm getting at with like the moral stuff, like do your homework, do your chores. Like you can have bad motives and what you think that's going to do for you. Just yeah. like, cause yeah. I mean, I can do that. You know, that's where I get foolish. But, uh, the majority of what we tackle is not that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So dad walks in and says, Hey, I want to take you out for ice cream tonight instead of you going to home group. There you go. That's where we're talking. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, Yeah. I, yeah, we'll leave it at that. That I would go into your past sermon this week, and then you can start saying, I don't want the fleeting pleasures of sin or sugar. I want the eternal reward that I have. Yeah, I'm going to go eat nachos for the eighth time at my, at my home group. Your home group has nachos? We have Mexican, uh, which I'm not complaining about because I eat Chipotle almost every day. You do? Um, yeah, we have Mexican like three out of four weeks. I like that. We had fried chicken last night. It was... Oh like man! Smashed we, potatoes. It was good. We ate at home, but it was nachos in the oven with melted cheese and uh, my pulled pork on top of it. Mm-hmm. That's where it's at. With like black olives as a side, tomatoes, onions, nacho cheese on top of the melted cheese. 
That's, yeah, now I'm getting hungry again, man. Good. Even no, though I had Chipotle for lunch. No black olives. Yeah. You well, like you, olives? You could have chosen. I hate olives. What's wrong with you? Uh, I'm normal. There's going to be olive trees all over it. No, olives are giving me trauma. When you bite into well, a deluxe like pizza the and they're hiding them. somewhere and you get a big old black olive, Grow up. that's traumatic. All right. <sighs> you will you not, Russ, you will not be in heaven. You are not traumatized. Jesus, Jesus <laughs> loved olives. He did. All right. So before we move into uh, the next section here, let me ask you this question. Um, kind of, kind of putting um, the husband point and the father point together from the the passages we were uh, pulling from there. So, um, some of those examples that you were given, Russ, about bringing your wife along, how she's Lady Wisdom, and, and these kinds of things as she's watching, kind of the um, the past patterns that you might have, and so on. Um, when I look at first Peter three, verse seven, Matt, it says, likewise, husbands live with your wives in an understanding way. Right. Uh, does that play into, or how would that play into that type of a scenario? So I think about a situation where like you, you know, as far as home defense, what you need, right. And um, are responsible for and, are, and what you're responsible for. And your wife most likely is not going to understand that world. And she's going to look at you and say like, you have a bullet, it goes in a gun, it works, bang, right? <laughs> Why do you need 27 rounds? Uh, right. Well, because I'm a 70% shot. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> zombies are hard to take down. So where would that, or does it, or where would it come into a situation like that? Man, I think um, a husband's um, role uh, primarily is to lead his wife. Mm-hmm. Like, meaning, um, not just to go make all the decisions for his wife, mm-hmm. for his family, um, and I think that's where patriarchy tends to go bad. Uh, one of the places, well, it just means that I'm the man. I get to make the decisions. I get to do what I want. I can ask her for her opinion. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. You know, I'm just going to do what I want. Yeah. Um. The, there, there's a there's a a greater piece here where I'm leading my wife in understanding and maturity and growth um, in these decisions that we're that I'm making mm-hmm. and that she's a part of making. At the end of the day, I have to pull the trigger. No pun intended. Mm-hmm. Um, intended. So to live with her in an understanding way is going to at least include like knowing where she's at on this and leading her through it. Mm-hmm. And if that means I have to put off the decision that I need to make for a time mm-hmm. in order to lead her to that, yeah. then I, I, maybe I should do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so like to the gun scenario, maybe she just doesn't understand it. And that for me, like that's a situation I'm not going to force. I think I have, probably the the I don't think I I don't think I do. I know I have the the right to go ahead and make that decision. Sure. I'm going to go ahead and buy these other three guns. Um but that's I'm going to counsel a husband don't don't um play that card on that situation. Mm-hmm. I mean unless you're like, you know, maybe living here in East Dayton, sure. you know, you 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 probably should, whether she understands it or not, sure. it's for the good. But in that case, I think as a husband, you should have some other godly men that you've bounced that off of. If yeah. you're going to go against what your wife 
is counseling to you to do, yeah. then you should have your elders or some other good godly men that are willing to tell you no, um, that you've you've ran that by. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, you should take the time, take the next year, the next two years to to walk her through um, understanding that. Yeah, um, that's good. And you, of course, you got to be careful. It's not you're just trying to convince her, right? You know, you won't win her at the end of the day. Because the more important thing here is you're helping her grow, yes. helping her mature, helping her move beyond where she's at. You're discipling her. The, yeah, you, absolutely. you bring her you're up in the maturity the of the Lord. Yeah. Yep. Um, and that doesn't mean that she always has to know every in and out of the decision. Um, she can trust ultimately because in an imperfect husband, because ultimately she can trust and a perfect God. Mm-hmm. Um, quickly, Russ, how, how would that kind of transfer applied to uh, Ephesians 6 verse 4? Uh, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And that same idea is, you know, you kids might have this tendency to hear, oh, I'm supposed to resist my dad because he's, again, back to that victim culture that our kids are being steeped in, especially if they're online. Um, they have foolish parents let them be online all the time. Um, they could try to pull that card when your dad's, you know, just uh, an evil patriarch, and I have to resist. Just a bully. Him. Just a bully, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, and here we have two easy answers and two easy steps. Uh, and I would credit Ted Tripp with this, I believe. Uh, maybe Paul. I think it's Ted. And that, uh, if you're not disciplining at all, then you hate your child. Yeah. yeah Hebrews twelve, right? That's child um, abuse. Yeah. So yeah. if you're not disciplining them, then you you hate them. And you're an evil patriarch if you're not disciplining your children. What then usually ends up happening though is that you love your children and so you discipline them, but you don't provide instruction. And as uh, Pastor Matt is known for saying, I'm not sure who you got it from. Probably Doug. Um, Wilson. That we, Wilson. That we discipline to to gain a hearing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's the instruction part. If you're not instructing through and with the opportunity of mm-hmm. discipline, uh, then you're go- you're going to provoke them to anger. You're just punishing them, yeah. and that's not what we see discipline being used for in Hebrews 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a loving Father who is molding us into the image of His Son. Mm-hmm. That's that's the goal. That's what we should be doing with our children. We don't get punished because punishment was already taken on the cross. That's yeah. not what this is. This is formative disciplining and you've got to i think fathers have some other kind of discipline in your life to separate discipline from punishment yeah it's true when i go to the gym and i'm getting smashed i'm i'm getting disciplined i'm disciplining my body my mind my will uh into what is happening um when i'm having to do the hard work that's not punishment i'm not punishing my body um, we've got to separate those things. And if you're not finding discipline and self-control in other areas of life, you're not going to do it here. And you're certainly going to miss the instruction component. No, that's good. That's helpful. Yeah. Um, I would add to that, that, um, if you're disciplining and instructing them, um, then you're helping them obey in the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so if, one of the best things you can give them is your holiness um, so they have nothing that they need to resist. But then second, or I mean, you're not not necessarily in this order, but side by side with that is helping them understand what holiness is, which is namely discipline and instruction of the Lord. That's where they're going to learn that. Mm -hmm. 
so that they can discern mm-hmm. what should be resisted and what shouldn't be resisted. So if you're modeling just a life that should not be resisted and you're teaching them what should and shouldn't be resisted, um, then you're going to you're going to give them the tools that they need, not just in how to walk with their dad, but how to walk with their mom, how to walk with their siblings, how to walk with their teacher, how to walk with the government, how to walk with their boss. When should they resist and when should they not? Yeah. And if that sounds normal to you, it should. Yeah. Because the current culture's view is going to be, well, you are in a position of power over them and they need to resist power until the one in power does the work. Mm-hmm. And earns it and understands it right when that's not what the scriptures say so your child should rebel against you and resist against you at all costs because you're in power Mm. and oppressing them Mm. no your point they get to live in freedom yeah Yeah. to live in the spirit of the lord there is to live in freedom yeah that's that's a, a phenomenal gift yeah and fathers need to make sure and husbands that they're cultivating their own spiritual holiness in the dovetail of what Matt was saying. I think it was Robert Murray McShane who said, um, my people's greatest need is my own personal holiness. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of become a mantra for me. Because then the spillover is is um, the character of Jesus, the maturity of Jesus. And I would say too that for both wives and children, the more you understand the scripture, right, the more you grow in your faith and in sanctification, then you will be able to know is this evil? Mm-hmm. Is this, or is this just my flesh not liking this? Right? Mm-hmm. And am I being tempted to call this evil when it's really not? And so you have to, you have to be in the scripture and and uh, submit to it as well. Well, to your point of like what it feels like, good godly leadership from a husband to a, a wife is not always going to feel great. No, <laughs> no, and I would tell, or, or to kids. Yeah, yeah, and, and it would, can still be warm. It can be, yeah, it can be that. Yeah, I, you know, uh, just a real quick thought to the wives too. Like, you got to be careful what you're going to push back on. Mm-hmm. As if if you're pushing back on every single like wisdom decision, then when you need to push back, like meaning like resist because it's something that is evil, then you've already burned up a lot. Yeah, that's true. And so just be careful. Save save it for those. Uh, and then the. I said the flip side of that on the husband was don't play that card of I get to just make this decision. Mm-hmm. You play that card too many times, and now uh, you're just you're in a bad spot. Yeah, so that's good. Well, let's end it out on um, how do we respond to um, an evil patriarch that happens to be an authority in the church? Um, yeah. you know, we definitely kind of write reviews about that. Definitely, exactly. <laughs> that's the way to get them out. And of there. See how many thumbs up you can get. Uh huh. Russ, you already talked about bosses a little bit. Um, you know, if you want to listen more about um, how we should resist the government, the state, you can listen to Pastor Matt's sermon from last Sunday or a cold pizza episode that they recorded yesterday. Um, but when we, when we look at this idea of is definitely... Yesterday, as in um, September 12th. September 12th. Because when this comes out... Oh, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank so you. the sermon from September right. uh, 10th or whatever right. Sunday was. Yeah, it's called uh, cold pizza for that one is uh, some watery tart. I don't ever, ever understand Rusty's titles, but I just roll with them because he understands them and thinks they're funny. And I love Russ, so I just let it go. So, we would... <laughs> it's from Monty Python. Oh, I haven't I've seen Monty Python in a long, long time. And we can't sit here and talk about it because we'll make Matt feel insecure because he's never seen it trauma just suffice it to say that there are no basis for 
a system of government. Ah, uh, I see what you did there. I, you just need to explain these things to me. We need to have a whole episode on Russ explaining his Ru- titles. Ru- Russ <laughs> needs subtitles. He does. He does. All right. Uh, that that is my mantra for Russ. Uh, that's what I am for Russ. He says I explain you, the jokes. Yeah. I'm just his subtitle. You're his subtitle. You follow him around <laughs> and say what he means is, yeah, exactly. So when we when we think about this um, this subject of um, evil patriarchs in church leadership, obviously we could say, um, as we've been saying in all these categories, there's definitely evil patriarchs in church leadership, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and so defining those things is important. But again, our, what our culture is saying, and especially in this cultural moment where we see people deconstructing, where we see people calling anybody that is not winsome, you know, a bully or um, abusive, you have to be so mindful of uh, what actually is abuse and what is not, and the ultimate authority on that is the scriptures. Um, I have just three categories. There's more. But um, let me ask you before we jump into those quickly, just what are some markers of a, what you would say would be an evil patriarch in church leadership? I kind of said my piece in the last one uh, using uh, Jude. I think that's a huge one on there. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I would encourage you to listen to that episode for my take on that. Okay. Um, I would just say, uh, I mean, I'm going to do the affirmation denial thing here. What our world is saying is an evil patriarch is anything, any any leaders that are going to exercise clear authority, that are going to talk in manly tones, that are going to say no or give a good argument uh, against something, and they're going to get labeled as dismissive. Mm-hmm. Um, or that, require obedience to the scriptures. Yep, the, the third use of the law, that's... Uh, if the third use of the law, if you don't know what that means, it means the uh, like that that you understand the law is God's expectations for how Christians are to live, mm-hmm. and that third use of the law has been rejected in our day. So any leaders who would operate on the third use of the law um, are which, which, which side side note here. What do you think Jesus is doing? I just for the record, but anyways, um, as far as I'm told, he just walks around and cries. He only quoted the last part of Romans 8. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but... No, the guy from The, the Chosen I walks think, around and cries. I think the, if, if we're not careful, um, I think we need to be careful that, uh, that we're not tone deaf to the moment. Mm-hmm. Because I think the greater evil patriarchs today are not the... Uh, bully domineering pastors the yeah. one the one the the greater threat to the flock of of god his his people is the soft effeminate spineless yep. sin accommodating um gentle like sinfully gentle pastors mm-hmm. those and, and i a the reason why it's most threatening right now is because they're the ones flying under the radar yeah. that ain't no one got a problem with. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, except for apparently us and people like us, mm-hmm. but they're the ones getting all the praise, getting all the attention. Their churches are growing because they're accommodating to a bunch of goats mm-hmm. at best um, and wolves at worst. Yeah. And so I that 
Does that answer your question? It does. And I think this is this is good under the first point of it. Um, I think an evil pastor or, or an evil patriarch in church leadership would be a spineless pastor who abandons the flock to let the wolves at them. And in particular, in our cultural moment, allowing these worldly ideologies to creep in. Here and we go again. Uh, Jude 4. <laughs> certain people have crept in unnoticed. Right. Who long ago were designated for this condemnation. Ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality. Yep. And deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. The Sparkle Creed. Well, not, not even e- that far. <laughs> I was going to say, not even that far. Yes. How about just no, an that's ex- where it, how about just an excommunicated member from another from another congregation? Right. Well, and, this, and you let them in. Right. Well, this ties back to the reason I said that. It ties back to our our episode about church discipline. Is that's how we get to the Sparkle Creed? Yes. Right. Absolutely. Yes. Right. Yep. And so I would say also in this cultural moment that pastors who are are um, unwilling and abandon the flock, unlike Jesus in John 10, who we're supposed to pattern uh, our shepherding after, who protects the flock and stands up to the wolves, but they aren't willing to stand up and speak the truth against these worldly ideologies for fear of um, hurting somebody's feelings or for fear of the the rumble that, that might cause. And so when they see the wolves who are in their midst, who are going to use these things like CRT or whatever. Jude 17. You must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions. Worldly people, devoid of the spirit. Amen. It's transferring to a congregation near you. Bro, I'm telling you, man. Oh, I'm not trying to make everything an Uno reverse card, but most people are not self-aware enough to understand what game they're playing in the first place. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Jeff. No, it's I'm good. Just reverse, three reverse. Things. Well, the the second reverse, reverse. The, the reason that they, <laughs> the reason that you see these guys running <laughs> from, uh, from these hard situations and allowing wolves to wreak havoc and and being content with goats sitting in their pews is so many of them, this is my second point, that selfish pastors who use the flock for their own personal gain. Mm-hmm. Right? I was talking to my mom about this recently in, in light of you know, this idea of churches in our region taking the teeth out of church discipline because when you know, if it's one of our discipline members or another one, they can just go down the street mm-hmm. and be happily accepted into that church because, well, they're a victim and they say the right words and mm-hmm. you know, nobody ever reads the Proverbs about hearing the whole matter. And I was talking to my it's mom about this. It's in the Old this. Testament. We unhitched from that. This is true. Um, by the way, did you see that his next conference has uh, yes. actual um, gay speakers? How about Stanley? Yeah, man. Just like his father should come back from the dead and slap him upside the head. Anyway, um, sadness. What was surprising, side note about that, is how fast that goes. Oh, man. How fast that goes. I was talking to um, mm. our, you know, our, our fellow pastor and um, good friend Michael Clary about this. and I was like, man, some folks that we know in the region just like how quickly... Mm-hmm. They uh, deconstructed. And anyway, um, but I was talking to my mom about the whole idea, and she said, "She said, son, like, just don't don't forget like the um, the draw of the fear of man, popularity, um, the 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 very uh, real temptation for pastors to be, you know, Superman to other people, and to, yep. you know, to be the to wise be savior, to be the savior, and yep. and you don't do that um, by saying hard things to people." Right, so you're using them for your own um, advantages, for your own personal gain. First Peter five talks about this. 
And Jude twelfth. Same thing with say, before you go back to Jude. Same thing with 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 money. I was talking to our home group about this last night, and we were talking about ways to push back against uh, you know the worldly ideologies of our day, and and how you're going to have to suffer reproach for those kinds of things, like like Moses did, and he was willing to do that. Um, and I said, like you know, we're standing up in our in our pulpit and in our discipleship and our home groups, preaching the Bible. And encouraging um, wives to be oriented towards their husbands, towards their children, towards the home, right? Mm-hmm. That means for some who have, uh, I think, followed the scripture uh, rightfully and and transitioned their wives out of the workplace in order to be tr- oriented towards the home, that means less income. That means more of a financial strain on the church, mm-hmm. right? So these things aren't easy. Like you don't you don't stand up for your own personal gain and say those things. That's right. You know. Unless go back to Jude. These are hidden hey, reefs Jude. at your love feasts, as they feast with you without fear. Mm. Shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted, wild waves at the sea, casting up for the foam of their own shame, wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. Mm. So yeah, shepherds feeding themselves mm-hmm. might be an indicator. Especially mm-hmm. if they sit there unbothered. Yeah. Amen. You're going to shipwreck over them. They're yeah. hidden reefs. Yeah. There's plenty of others, and you guys can bring those up if I've missed some here. But the last thought I had was soft pastures who will pander to the flock's preferences. And yeah. that's in line with that popularity, be mm-hmm. their savior. So, any, you know, it's a, an evil patriarch will pander to the preferences of the people under his care well to be fair we can uh if we're not careful we can fall you know subject to this as well it's even if you say hard things to people if you say thing hard things to people that are just red mm-hmm. then um they don't care they're happy right that's mm-hmm. pandering to their preferences if we don't bring it home to them it's good then we can just as easily fall into this yeah it's good yeah yeah i've said for a long time i remember saying this first when I was in seminary and a little church in Bardstown uh, it just occurred to me our, our pastor was not doing this it's actually what got him fired <laughs> but it was uh, he, w- he was being faithful in this sense but the like the modern day preaching to tickle people's ears is just preaching to all the sins that's not in the room yeah yeah it's true right there's no no toes being stepped on because yeah. you're talking about other people's toes <laughs> yeah and now that looks a couple different ways today now it looks like everyone's a victim and everyone's hurting and everyone's struggling and so i'm just going to preach a comforting message Mm -hmm. no one's actually sinners they're just you know a victim of someone else's sin so i'm just going to preach in that way Mm -hmm. Uh, that's tickling their ears um and that's popular preaching particularly among more strongly woke churches um but then uh also preaching the same thing preaching against uh, those big bad, those big baddies, you know, down the road or at another, you know, um, uh, which they should, and we do too, but then keep going. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bring it home. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And such were you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Preach right. the sins of the, in the room. Amen. Well, that about does it for our, our, uh, podcast today. Russ, any thoughts you'd like to wrap up with? Uh, when it comes to this stuff, it's it's deeply personal and hmm. deeply situational. Um, so you should absolutely seek your elders uh, in, in church on, on dealing with those things. But 
Yeah, I mean that's the that's the general ballpark. Yeah, that's good. Matt? Yeah, I would just say you know this. Yeah, that deeply personal, deeply situational, and you know wives, kids. That's why God has mm-hmm. good authority structure in the church and such that that you can you can talk. Yeah, and and get wisdom on that and um, such. So yeah. well, I have a teaser then for the, the second version of this. If you if you live with a known evil patriarch, you should not go on vacation with him uh, and come back automatically, accidentally on the other side because you went on vacation. <laughs> I, you, I agree. You, yeah, you you, <laughs> you wonder, but we have uh, been doing this for a long time, the three of us, uh, probably close to sixty years to combine now, and um, <laughs> you're old. Seen this a lot. Happens yeah. a lot. Yeah. So man, it is. It is. Remarkable to see how sly um, yep. and and gentle and loving an evil patriarch can be in order to use people for their own personal gain. When he pulls you away from every other godly influence in your life? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. So as we think about these things, um, we want to encourage you to remember that when it comes to whether it's a husband that you're dealing with or a father or a pastor or maybe it's a boss or a political leader, that ultimately... Um, as you walk in accordance to what the scripture has called you to do, that you can trust that God's ways are best and good, and ultimately you can trust your Heavenly Father, uh, you can trust uh, the King of Kings who rules over all things, you can trust your great Chief Shepherd and uh, walk in His ways and do so with joy. So, we want to thank you guys uh, for your time today, and we hope this has been helpful to you. And as always, we want to encourage you to go know, love, and obey Jesus as Lord overall. And we'll see you next time on King's Table.